everyone, and welcome back. This is Anyone Can Move, and you know it. I am one of three hosts here at Anyone Can Move. This is James Boyd, and with me, we have the amazing choreographer, Katie Breland. How you doing? So happy to be here. <laughs> she is. Yes, last but never least, we have the wonderful choreographer, Miss Katie Fleming. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> so good. And today, on Anyone Can Move, whether you're listening or watching, you're going to join us in discussion with Meredith Juhas on Anyone Can Move. And we are back. This is season two in discussion with Meredith Yuhas. We are so excited to learn more. And you know what we do with information? We use it to then move. Oh, well, welcome, Meredith. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so good. So, hey, let's dive in, okay? We have listeners, we have people watching, they wanna know, okay. Who's Meredith? What is she going to share with me? So let's go ahead and dive in. What is your dance background? Yes. Well, <laughs> if we want to go way, way back, um, <laughs> I first started moving at a church. Um, it was like a, I don't know, come dance and connect to God kind of class. And I just remember them like turning off the lights and being like, move your heart out and I did <laughs> I really did I was probably like four or five years old but I felt so connected to like something bigger than me connected to my body um and I think I was always a mover um I liked climbing trees I liked doing that I mean um so I was just moving since I was little and I kind of had a non-traditional route after that I played sports um I played volleyball like pretty intensely like year-round beach club school did that through middle school high school um and I loved it. I did some cheerleading. Um, I really was fascinated by stunts. Um, that was also kind of part of my movement training. And then in high school, I had to take an art selective. And I was like, I've always been kind of into dance. Let me give it a shot. <laughs> and it was the thing that I was doing the whole time. I mean, in volleyball, <laughs> in my backyard, in that church, um, it just kind of all clicked like the athleticism of dance I fell in love with um, as well as the artistry of creating something and saying something in a way that uh, I had a captive audience. Um, I have a big family so being able to speak in that way was really powerful for me um, and then from there I had just a great dance teacher who um, introduced dance to me like as a platform for research and togetherness and it's kind of a cool entry because I think most kids who um, come through studios or a competitive background, um, that angle is missed a lot. And so I'm, I'm really, I'm really grateful. That was like my foundation. Then I went to uh, liberal arts college, studied <laughs> dance. It was an inclusive postmodern dance program at an all women's college, which really framed my ideas about dance <laughs> and who can dance. And who sees dance and who doesn't see dance. Um, so that was pretty pivotal in why I love to dance. Um, and in that time picked up some aerial training with silks and trapeze and hoop. And like I said, I just like to climb things and I like the feeling of, um, of flying. And I think that's what I was trying to do like anytime I was dancing and so that was really gratifying to dance in the air um, and then my interest in dance led to my interest in people and the very last thing I've done in my dance training is a master's in dance movement therapy and so that's psychotherapeutic use of movement um, with all people but um, commonly with people in mental health treatment and so that's kind of my last dance training that I'm still sorting out day by day. <laughs> <laughs> and 
in all of that experience and all of those mediums, do you find that you use them to, to, to share information today? Mm. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> one of my favorite things about like owning the title of dance movement therapist is that I got to understand how being a dancer, uh, like enlivens you to almost like this new experience or sense of being that we don't always understand as a skill because it's just like how we interact with the world non-verbally and so to get the language um like in a psychological lens that the things that we do for our body are actually so good for our mind um <laughs> makes me feel like oh my gosh everyone has to know this and so i feel like that is a lot of what i do is uh just like learning how to share the things that I've absorbed. <laughs> mm -hmm. At what point in like your journey or your story were you like, oh, I'm going to start my own company? Like, what was that process like? Ooh. Great question. <laughs> um, I started my company my last year of undergrad and I had like some lots of people who finish undergrad in a dance maybe choreography type track um i had like 12 stage works i had some sight dances i had some solos um but i had no more performances after may 5th um, and i had a bunch of people who knew my choreography who were incredible and kind and I, I knew that I liked when we did things together and so I started looking for places to perform and a professor suggested fringe festivals and I had no idea what that was <laughs> and I also it was like you know trying my hand at becoming an adult at this point but um by the grace of those dancers who were really kind and followed me there um we like booked a place to stay we figured out meals we showed up we performed and it was just so magical that I, I think I became like a little addicted to that um <laughs> high and also like the community of creators and so we just kept doing it and uh the space that I think we've all created as UHAS and dancers just feels so um, homey. It feels so challenging. It's like a lot of the things I loved about my undergraduate experience, we get to continue to research together. Um, so that's how it started. <laughs> <laughs> that's so beautiful. And I read your mission statement um, about your company and Oh, it's just so beautifully written. Can you kind of talk about the mission of your company and, and that? Sure. Um, I feel like that goes well into like how we started because one of the first things um, the review said about the company was that they loved that dancers were all shapes, sizes, and colors. Mm. And that's like such a like beautiful um, sentiment, but it also like underlies a lot of problems and dance with those words um so they're not seeing dancers of different sizes um different shapes or different colors and so that was remarkable that we were doing that um and that really clued me into like the ethos of what we were doing um which i will say like was in the groundwork of my undergraduate um having dancers who come from diverse racial backgrounds um sexual orientations ethnicities genders um like i said we're mainly all women but we do include um, trans women and non-binary folks and so uh, we're growing in our understanding of gender and what that means but um at a rudimentary level uh, our goal is to create this place for one another that feels um, generous, that feels uh, life-giving, where all of these labels and all of this navigation that you might do as a minority in this world feels a little less intense so that you can then create <laughs> because the amount of time you might navigate those things, personal identifiers in this landscape can just be exhausting. Um, and so what we found is like, when we come together, if we can build trust, if we can build safety, we can create this universe of um, peace and understanding and curiosity and love. And then we can like take that places <laughs> <laughs> and transform a room as well as people's expectations of each other. Mm. And so I think that's at the heart of it is that um, 
we continue to be connected to one another. And through that, that means acknowledging our differences and working through some of our pain, um, bringing a sense of uh, honesty and learning to the table every time we meet and just a continual commitment to that as well as just like loving to dance. I mean, like the people in the company, they're just like stellar. <laughs> <laughs> what What's the age range of uh, company members? You know, um, people who are giving you that, the trust, the vulnerability, the connection, mm. what's the age range? It's generally between um, like 18 to 30. Um, I'm 25 myself, so it's a bit younger out of proximity. Um, and, but it was also created out of a need for college students leaving our community and not really knowing where to dance next, kind of like I said with myself. And so um, that is who we're generally attracting as well as a apprenticeship type program that people are doing at the end of high school. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, there's like so much vulnerability, I feel like, in your work. And so I just wanted to know why you felt like that is such a key component to your company and like um, what it is you're trying to do. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's like such a nice question, um, but it's a big one because it's an important one. You know, like as performers, I found that honesty was a really beautiful training mechanism for us and for myself. Um, I think that came out of my identity as like an Asian queer person that there's not a lot that was direct <laughs> or still sometimes is it in my life that can be um, said aloud clearly. There's a lot of like passivity, you know, with queerness, there's a lot of shame. Um, and so to say something completely honest was just so liberating for myself. And uh, we entered a practice of honesty as a company where we would set a timer for five minutes and you would um, move just like improvising based on things you needed to share. Um, so I know our listeners can't really see me right now, but I'm kind of moving just because it eases the tension and the anxiety and the psychological defenses of your body and so we would move and then share what's just something that's completely true about you right now and the things that people started sharing uh i mean it was just remarkable to to witness um and again like grew this intimacy with each other and again as performers we're so good at giving people what um, they want or what they're they want to portray that it really takes practice to remember what you want and who you are especially as a young adult um, and so vulnerability just became like a hallmark of um, the company but also I think like mental health at this age and a lot of the concerns of being a young adult um, but it also just made us like very connected to one another on stage you know like when you see a dance group you can tell <laughs> if they know each other because they're real people <laughs> if they're doing something that looks you know real modern humanistic or if they're doing something like ethereal whatever um ballet it's like you know there you see trust in a performance and so that was an added benefit is that I think um when people are able to let others see them um, in an intimate way, then when you get on stage, um, it translates. And I think there's nothing more beautiful than a dancer saying like, you don't have to watch me, but I'm here. <laughs> you know? Mm, that's beautiful, you are so wise. <laughs> I, what is it like watching your dancers? Like, what do you love about sitting and watching them? Oh, that's a cool question. Um, I really love the surprises. I think for a long time, I was trying to make people dance like me, um, which is a thing. I mean, it's how techniques are made, right? <laughs> um, but it wasn't working for people's bodies or their body histories. 
And so I became a little less precious about how things were translated. And I just, I love the surprises of the way some an attitude looks on someone who's, you know, six feet tall versus myself, who's five, three. <laughs> um, and I also like, well, if, if we're at a really good point and it's well rehearsed and it's looking good and I'm not like in the detail mode, um, there is really something beautiful about seeing like 15 femme identifying people uh, do something together, especially a group of right now predominantly black women and mixed racial women. And we're, we don't get to do as much partner work as we used to, but like seeing those images like of a person of color being lifted into the air by 10 other people of color. <laughs> I mean, I don't have, I don't know many monuments like that. Uh, there's movies like that, but I feel like all of these things are coming into the ether. And so to see art like that in real life, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, it like makes me want to cry sometimes. I'm like, we are so powerful. <laughs> Indeed. And speaking of power, you, hearing you speak, makes me think you actually have the ability to create this environment so the dancers want to share all of this. Mm. So that brings me to just wanting to know, okay, who's fueling you? You're fueling, fueling yourself. <laughs> so I guess what fueled you? So who inspires you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I feel like the first answer that influences like me every day would be a dance professor of mine who names Marcy Joe Yonke Clayton and we spent a lot of time researching mindfulness and dancing and the thing I loved about this woman is that if you were in a room with her um, you'd feel like she had nowhere else to be except with you and that feeling um, of like attention and care and patience to be heard was transformational for me. And I watched it transform other people as they figured out who they were and what decisions they're making and what was coming next. And they were just kind of allowed to dream in this space that was her. It didn't matter if she was in her office, in the dance studio. Um, and I, I just fell in love with that. I was like, you can really make people feel that way with your attention and your energy. And so um, she really empowered me to do that. And I think about her daily. Um, yeah, I mean, amazing, amazing woman. Um, and then on like a more dance level, I'm really, really into um, like just dance theater companies. Um, like think about like Vim Vigor out of New York, they like, you know, roll on the floor and slash their limbs around and it looks like they're weightless. And then um, like Streb in Brooklyn, New York, that plays with gravity a lot and just does these ridiculous challenges of humanity, like decide to fall from like 30 feet in the air just to see like the dynamics of falling, but they land on a pad, so it's okay. But um, <laughs> that, those like high intensity dance theater uh, groups really, um, oh, they, they make me so excited. I feel like, I mean, Palabolus, you know, is like an all time, um, all star in that category. I just, I find that work really exciting because there's like, there's depth in a way that communicate so much there's like a human experience that's also being shared but then there's also this element of like audience audience members like just really um being odd and I think that I think that's still important like that the audience uh like enjoy it not necessarily enjoys but like um is is moved <laughs> and so I feel moved by those types of performances um but at a more local level I mean I do a lot of things that inspire me like see my friends um paint watercolors grow plants go to a market every weekend have a dog um <laughs> I mean those little things definitely inspire me because when those aren't happening then I'm definitely not dancing. 
Yeah. I was going to say the way you were talking about your professor and like how she would just like bring this attention that would just transform a room. I just want to say like, that sounds like such a beautiful legacy that like you're carrying on. And I think it's so cool <laughs> to see how like your dancers will carry that forward in some way. And I was like, wow, what, what an awesome legacy to be a part of. I just thought that was really cool. So um, also you mentioned mindfulness and we've been talking just between the three of us here about mindfulness so much. Um, and so I'm curious to know, like when you did start your company and I know it was before you ended up going to get a dance movement um, masters, but when you started your company, were you thinking like, ooh, I really want to incorporate like a mindful practice or anything in my work or did that come later? I think uh, the words came later, like that, that was mindfulness, but I think what I've found early on, and I'd say we found early on, was a patience with each other that came out of a love for one another um, that let the process of making a dance become the most important thing. Um, like, you know, when you create work about your identity or just any social, social justice concern, um, I, you can't like blaze through those things. <laughs> right. Let's understand the suffering of women in five rehearsals. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just didn't do it justice. And so we, we found ourselves, um, just taking a slower and more mindful approach but sometimes that meant that there was more time apart before we came together or maybe it's that I asked myself some questions for six months and then I had a dance that we learned in two weeks um so it looks different it looked very different um but the ideal idea of mindfulness like being in the present moment I think we really get to savor because we don't all live next to each other. Um, for a while I was living in New York and most of the members were in South Carolina, but we have some members um, all over South Carolina, but others who join us from Florida and Texas sometimes. And so when we are together, it's, it is really precious. And so I think that's where the mindfulness evolved as well as around the topics of choreography. Mm -hmm. Are you guys working on any projects right now? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I feel a little stressed because um, we're working on something for the Asheville Fringe Festival, which is one of our favorite festivals um, to go to. And we are going to be one of the only live performances this year doing our work um, healing zones. But uh, due to like the recent COVID numbers and safety concerns, we're doing it virtually. Um, I'm a little exhausted of virtual performing. I don't know about you all. So we are making a Healing Zones website. We're calling it a virtual oasis. It's just kind of a collage of resources, ideas, prompts, photos, videos of things we've discovered as healing in the past year, which was a work we began um, maybe June um, around the time of Black Lives Matter protests and just like the surgence of need for reckoning <laughs> in our country. Um, and so that work will premiere um, in Asheville Fringe Festival January 22nd and 23rd. Mm -hmm. And then we are preparing for a show. A, uh, <laughs> Uh, one hour show, maybe hour and a half, I don't know, just like a evening length kind of show, hopefully, uh, here in Columbia in April. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's going to be outside or inside, who's coming, but we have a lot of work that we've been uh, putting together this past year, and so I feel like it's, that might be a safe time for us to finally share it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we're, I mean, the pandemic is among us, right? So it mm -hmm. sounds like, but but you're you're talking about activity. <laughs> you're taking action. Shows are being developed. So you've you've overcome some challenges 
you mind sharing some challenges you've, you know, overcome? And yeah, yeah. To t- take us on a journey here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many. Um, and I, I don't know if anybody still feels this way, but for a while, I, I felt like, how, I mean, how do you plan for the future when right now it makes no sense? <laughs> you know, like, how do we rehearse for nothing? How do we even get together in the same room? I mean, there are so many questions. And for a while, I was like, I, I, I don't want to do it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not, I mean, not necessarily the company. I was just like, this is hard, you know? Um, it was really hard. And I, I do think the call for racial reckoning in our country was a fire under our butts to say, like, okay, well, let's let's get back to what we do because we we have something to say about this um, and when we did that and we got together we um filmed something for like a local arts um fundraiser around that time and it was just a really powerful moment for us to gather in solidarity um and i think after that it was easier to think about what we needed um which is what ignited the healing zones work um what is healing are you healing can you expect to heal in a time like this or are you you know like are we waiting for a break or why don't what if we just started right now what if you could heal yourself what if we could heal each other um and that has been really life-giving because I think it's given us permission like in our research to just take care of ourselves um so there's been like a month at a time like December I was like it's not happening (laughs) (laughs) we had a performance scheduled and um like four people went on quarantine um and two people got COVID it was just like all right we're just gonna take a break and that's okay because what we do is not who we are how much we do you know isn't how much we're worth and so um allowing that rest in the time of COVID uh has been nice I mean that's not my tendency my I mean I was just taught to like do it and do it and do it until it works that's like the assimilation mindset like (laughs) of a minority in in the U.S. just like or I was I should say like the Asian mindset maybe that's the one that I can own is you know just keep working hard you know like it's okay if you're not white just keep working hard and (laughs) and maybe it will be enough um and so I think I was like infiltrated into my practice of being a leader and um like decolonizing that mindset this year Mm -hmm. has been really good for me um being like (laughs) it's so funny when I say oh we're gonna take a rest People are like, oh my gosh, thank God. <laughs> like, I was feeling really, really tired. Wait, okay, why why is it so hard for us to say that to each other, you know? Um, back to that vulnerability kind of check-in um, has been really good. But then also logistically, I mean, figuring out things like we're all wearing face masks and we rehearse together. We're not doing any contact. We're doing temperature checks. I bring Germex to rehearsals. Um, we like sweep and mop the area after we're there. Um, audience members for one show in this fall, we gave them gloves, we gave them goggles on the joke. <laughs> um, you know, those are a lot of tiny, tiny details. Um, for someone, I would say in my position that usually gets to look at the big picture and so, Having to be concerned with so many tiny things is difficult (laughs) and it's new and um, there's like this awkwardness like in that newness and also because it like has um, like infiltrated the thing we do like bodies close together (laughs) and other people getting to watch what we're doing Um, and so it it has not been easy and it (laughs) has not all been nice. but the evolution is informative yeah yeah um when you started your company was there always this focus on social justice issues or is that something that's just recently like become a thing with your company like when did that start yeah 
uh, that was actually pretty essential to like the very first work that all the dancers who are part of UHAS and Dancers, um, the first season, um, we had this work called, um, oh, what was it? It was like the art of power. And we used like different lights, um, like four different lights that dancers turned off and on on the stage. And um, there's all these different images of um, like igniting power, like sharing as well as monopolizing power. And um, I think that was just part of the choreographic themes that I was interested in. Um, as well as like the very real dynamics of getting a diverse group together, you know, like when you're together, it's like, there's communication patterns, there's um, anxieties about difference. And so like, I think as those things were worked out in a very real place as a group, <laughs> um, it inspired this push and pull in choreography that was very much about, um, being together and being different and creating safety in a way that might not be safe for someone else. Um, that was like really reckoning for me um, growing up in like a very uh, traditionalist like Christian home is that someone's safety might cost something for me um, or what I should say is cost something of my privilege to come closer to them. And that like reckoning of difference um, through seeing privilege and um, coming closer, I think, uh, really spawned this idea of um, like social justice, right? Because it's like when you have a small group of people and you're all different and you're trying to create an environment that's good for all of you, um, you have different needs. And that's like a microcosm of a larger society. And so if we figure out how to be good to one another there, um, it's like, all right, well, what else are we concerned about? Look around, oh my gosh. Black people keep getting shot. <laughs> um, like women are not paid as much as they should be. People don't understand what non-binary means. Um, mm -hmm. People are afraid to come out and it's 2020. Um, you know, and so I think it was just a natural, I don't know, interest out of like who we all were, why we were all together. Um, and then also just like the privilege of being an art maker, like getting to have maybe 50 to 200 people like sit down for two hours and look at you like I feel a great responsibility for what I'm about to say to those people like it <laughs> I feel like I want you to cry I want you to laugh I want you to um second guess yourself like <laughs> uh, yeah and I think like I don't know I just I I have a very strong um I think I've always had a strong um sense of like that duty as an artist like since I was in high school you know I was like they're listening to you say something good <laughs> mm -hmm. or say something not necessarily good say something meaningful right <laughs> mm -hmm. say something meaningful mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. that's good yeah you know um with so much good I'm I'm curious to know um, have you have you come across a lot of resistance, um, you know? And I mean, clearly you're still doing what you're doing, and those who are watching, you get to see this. But if you're listening, I mean, <laughs> Meredith is bright, energetic. She's dancing for us. Um, you're still moving. You're still you're still creating. You're still inspiring. But um, is that how you handle? those who don't understand and create a resistance um, uh, or, or is there something, something else? I'm just curious. Yeah. Hmm. Um, one thing I think of like immediately is when we were doing our healing zones performances this summer, um, we like couldn't book theaters, theaters were closed, COVID. We were like, let's um, take art to where people are. And so we, decided to do nine performances over this weekend um, in random places throughout the city, set up these healing zones, and they were frequently in parking spots. And so we would pay the meter, our shirt said, I am a vehicle, and on the back they said, a healing zone. So we were abiding by the law. Um, uh -huh. And we would create these little temporary, you know, places of healing and do our performance. And we 
set up on a Sunday morning, um, like brunch hour in front of this very nice, um, local business that like sells basically like specialty goods. Um, and as we were setting up in those parking spots with our, at the time, I'd say maybe, uh, six, uh, black dancers, two dancers of color, and maybe three white folks. Um, the owner came out and just started yelling at us. He was like, you cannot do this. People have tried this. You cannot use our parking spots for this. This is not what this is for. You have to leave. Like, just yelling at the dancers, like, get out. I'm calling the police. Get out right now. You know? And I'm like, oh, my word. When I do things like this, I do, like, go through as a director. I'm like, okay, could the police be called? What will we do? Okay, I, this is a very real thought leading um, women of color. If that happens, like my first thought is safety. Um, we need to get the, get people safe, especially people of color. All right. And so we all move. <laughs> we all move to a public space and we're like, I'm like, we're not doing this. And I think about that decision to move a lot. But um, again, I was like, no one's going down for trying to dance right now. <laughs> well, the woman did call the police officer. We were doing the performance um, in a nearby like public access space, which we were in a public space before, but this one was more designated, I guess. Um, and he came, he talked to me. He was like, said there was a complaint that we were like um, blocking traffic, disturbing peace, which is so funny because that's, you know, we were literally wearing shirts that said healing zones. I just, think she took a look at who we were and um, made a call. And so that that was a really tough one to stomach, um, especially being in an area of town that people would consider to be like a mutual shared artistic space. Um, like they're, they're building an arts district like around this street that we are on. And, they were, and, and we were being funded by uh, arts group in the area. Um, and I say all that to say that like, I mean, we had legitimacy to be there because we're people, but we also like really had legitimacy to be there. Um, and in one phone call, phone, phone call this um, business owner like completely displaced us. And I felt a way about that. Um, dancers, black dancers felt a big way about that, that I had to listen to. Um, and so we shared our story through, uh, the state which is our um, state newspaper um, we had a community conversation that we invited this woman to she did not come she answered through her lawyers um, drawing lines very clearly but um, it really it just really brought to my attention that like what we are doing as artists is is like shaping the space we live in um, mm. and I think that the counter response <laughs> kind of shows me that we're on the right track. <laughs> um, but I mean, that was tough to stomach. I mean, I, I mean, I, I had all just, I think I came home and just like cried with my partner. I was like, you know, I didn't, I'm, I, did I sign up for this? And then I had to be like, yeah, I'm signing up for this, you know? Um, and then I got connected with some amazing community organizers in our area who have been, you know, on the front lines of activism for the past 30 years here in a way that was much harder than what we were dealing with. And they advised us and, you know, I know how to contact a lawyer now. And, <laughs> and I mean, I know that's, that sounds ridiculous, but also it's like, we gotta be ready and we gotta protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and we also got to take care of ourselves. And so um, that's been a real focus this year within like the resistance of that happening, as well as just people being exhausted from living. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the resistance is real. And I feel like my, I could not do this alone. Like when I lived in New York, I, I tried to make solo work and I, I did one show and I was like, yeah, that was cool. But it just like really is the beauty of being together with these amazing women um, that like brings me back and keeps my spirits up. And, you know, I don't have to be strong every day <laughs> around them. 
And I think it's really good to have people like that around you because that is, you just can't be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Katie B, were you about to say something? I saw you like go. <laughs> I am just, I think you talked a lot about honesty and vulnerability in the beginning of this interview. And it's just clear that you foster that environment because you are that way. You are, you've been so vulnerable and honest with us. And um, it's just really beautiful. And it just, it makes the people listening want to do the same. Um, so thank you for just being willing to share a hard story like that. And um, just to say, you know, there's beauty that came out of, out of that hard. Um, and I think that that is what art is, you know, beauty out of heart. Mm. And it seems like that is what you're doing. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for, for listening. And um, I like, I like how you said that, the beauty out of hard and we we say a lot of times like um strength and vulnerability Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. what are some of the long-term goals for you and your company oh well (laughs) I will say this is a tough area for me right now yeah um I was you know living in New York at the beginning of the pandemic um thinking about if the company had a place there um, and came to the decision that our place is in South Carolina for the time being. I think we have a lot to say about who we are and where we live. Um, but that has made me think a lot about our goals, um, especially this year, dancers being displaced from their homes, um, needing assistance with food, with transportation, um, not going back to college because it's really expensive. Um, and that has inspired this uh, CARES Fund that we're developing as a company. Um, it's a fundraiser going on right now. We're selling these really cool t-shirts that um, a former member designed. It says, like, the time is now. And then it has all these caveats, like, it's time to care. It's time to stand up. It's time to be gentle. I don't, I can't actually remember all of them. It says some good things. Um, but the money from that fundraiser is going to go into a fund for dancers and other community members to pull from when things are tough, um, as well as, I think in this next year, I'm hoping this will happen, um, as well as provide meals for friends um, or community members, anybody who basically just needs someone to listen to them. Um, so what I'm calling, we're calling it like the development of um, listeners. And so you could like go onto our website and like basically submit a request to have a meal <laughs> and then um, a certified listener will come take you to lunch, take you to dinner and just chat with you and hold space with you. And those folks will be um, dancers in the company who are also trained in some more like therapeutic type techniques. Um, from my background, like as a therapist, um, looking for signs of people who are suicidal, um, maybe need some extra support and also just being conscious of resources that already exist in our community. Um, and yeah, I think that's just, I mean, that one-to-one like interaction and space you can have some with someone. I mean, I, (laughs) like I said before, I think it's really transformative. Um, and obviously like we can bring a lot of ideas to a space in a performance for an hour or two, but, um, you don't necessarily like look at an audience member and get to know them. And so, um, I'm super excited for, um, for that fund to be established so that we can start doing that um, in a way that I think is really natural for dancers um, to even shape like how we shape space like if you pull out a chair for someone or you know give them options when they're looking for something to eat or just ask them how are you doing and you like keep eye contact which is really hard for people to do Um, like all these tiny little things um, are really important for people to be heard and so I think this fund will like develop um, a program you know for us to do that for our community Um, and so I'm really focused on that I'm excited for that to begin Um, I don't know where like five years from now ten years from now because I don't I don't really know what the interest and the needs will be Um, 
I like when I, we started, I was like, I want everyone to know who we are. I want to perform at the biggest auditorium here. I want to, I still kind of want to go on tour. I mean, we've, we've performed in lots of different cities, but we've never gone for like a, you know, period of time that was called a tour. But, um, I don't know. I think those things are really about like me and my ego and what would feel like I accomplished things. And so um, the need right now is for people to be heard. And so that is the number one goal in what we're about to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's like, I don't know. I think that there's such a, in a performance, I've, I mean, a performance life, you know, as an artist, there's a lot of like to be seen and it just feels like you guys are seeing people. How has that always been? Is there, has that all, like, when did that kind of shift for you? Cause it sounded like you were, you know, there was a shift. There was, um, there was, I don't know if I can pinpoint it. I think it was, I mean, it was probably my time, like, at graduate school, learning to be a therapist. <laughs> um, and I remember our show last year at Asheville, I think was the first time that we invited audience members on stage with us mm. to um, kind of like be moved by the dancers, which created some very cool shapes. Um, I should share like a photo or something with y'all from that but the work was called radical softness and there was like really literal items like bricks and feathers and um, there was one point in the dance where dancers would take their brick to an audience member and ask them if they would hold it with them and they came up on stage and told the person things that have been heavy for them lately and then asked what's been heavy for them <laughs> as the audience watched and then um, both holding that brick they like created these different formations together and so um, I was really, I mean, that moment on, of seeing that unfold, like, as a performance, um, was, like, I don't know, it, like, delighted me <laughs> in a new way, um, like, taking just really normal things or things you wish were normal and putting them in a performance. I feel like, you know, that's what we're doing when we put things on stage, like, we're valuing them, and so what, like, what's something to value, like, uh, emotional intimacy. Okay, let's create that on stage <laughs> with strangers. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like the work has just kind of has led me to that interest. And this just like genuine, I think at the core of who I am, like, you know, I just wanted, I want to be understood. <laughs> um, and that's just kind of like a through in in the work is like, I want people to feel understood. I want them to feel connected. Um, I want them to see themselves up there and I want them to see someone that they've never met up there, you know? Mm. Not sure. I think I did answer your question. I'm not going to second guess myself. <laughs> you did and more and more of just, just good wisdom, right? I, I think Breland, you nailed it earlier, right? You're so wise. <laughs> it's there. Oh my. I no, That's really. So I mean it. I mean it. <laughs> I mean it. I can I can um I, I can reveal why I think we're saying that because there's this feeling <laughs> that I have and um I kind of want to play a game. I'm not but no, not really, but but <laughs> the Katies are like, oh no, James. But no, I want to geek out a little bit. Right? Okay. We have choreographers here and um and you know. Meredith, it's your fault because you said this. You said um, uh, sitting and holding space with someone, mm -hmm. and that just washed all over my imagination because uh, I tend to think of, 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 of space in many ways, but I, my go-to is like a fabric, you know, and I'm on it or being manipulated by it, but the hold it, it was um, something that was uh, kind of neat and unique but um I, I just wanted to paint that imagery and give that illustration out there and kind of geek out as choreographers and i don't know like what comes to mind for for all of you you know holding space it <laughs> what's the imagery there <laughs> yeah. Ooh. 
Now we have to all think. I know, now the creative. Back and forth. <laughs> it's in real time. Listeners are like, wait, this is what they do? <laughs> I think for me, like holding space for another person, a lot of it I think has to do with like, one being present, like you yourself being present there for them, but then also um, just allowing them to be their full self, their full authentic self with you. Um, and then knowing that there's no shame or judgment for who it is they are, how they feel or what they think, but that like you can sit there with them and just let them be a person a human. And I think that's what holding space means for me personally. So yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, you. <laughs> Wonderful. And I mean, Meredith, I mean, you're, you're holding spaces 24-7, aren't you? I mean. <laughs> yeah, when you were talking about, like, choreographing, I was like, ooh, I, I really, um, I've seen for a long time this idea of, like, um, these, like, wooden, uh, like, pallets that people are standing on. Anyways, go with me here. So, like, if there was, like, a circular round platform um, that someone's holding over their head, but on that platform is someone, like, exhausted. And just to see that, then, like, carry it, you know, across the stage and that person up top, like, slowly, like, come to themselves mm. and feel held, but then also, like, look down <laughs> and be like, oh, my God, you're, hold you're holding me right down. I didn't even know that was that like someone was there, but you were there. Like, oh, oh my goodness! Ah, yes. Okay. Oh. Wow. Well, I'll take that to the studio and let you know how it goes. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. I love that. Ooh. Wow. Oof. Freelance and thoughts. Well, when, when you said that, what came to mind was we, it was at the Alabama Dance Festival and I went to this class and we sat in a circle and the teacher said, okay, each person is going to have their, their time and you're just going to look at each person around the room and hold a moment with them and if if you need 20 seconds 10 seconds if you just need to scan and I think that was the first time I'd ever done something like that and it was just almost like why haven't I ever why haven't I ever looked at someone for just no reason you know like why can't I just just hold space and there's there's no agenda you know it was just like being kind of what Fleming was saying and we just all ended up just very emotional and um moved mm. and you know I can't remember anything else about that weekend except that genuinely mm. um, <laughs> so it definitely moved me in some way because I don't remember anything else except that so I don't know that just kind of that's immediately what came to mind when you said I was that. there with you in that class Katie you were. I, you were. Yeah, I remember that and I remember <laughs> thinking like how like profound it was in that moment and like feeling uncomfortable but at the same time yeah. like this is amazing that I feel so uncomfortable by this and it was like mm. I loved it. yeah <laughs> yes because that that's the thing too that teacher was like you know she was giving you something about being human you know about like seeing one another and loving one another and connecting with one another I mean how many dance classes have you been in where you don't even know who's next to you? <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm. So true. So true. I think that, yeah, that underscores like everything. It's just like, if we're in a room together, why don't we look at each other? <laughs> <laughs> why don't we know yeah. each other? Then, yeah, it's endless after that. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> so true. And I realized my eye contact is myself in the mirror the whole my entire dance class, my entire dance life has been me and myself in the mirror. And it was just like, oh no. <laughs> no, I got, <laughs> there's more. So yeah. James, what about you? Oh, you said the fabric. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's an immediate, you know, like universe go-to. And um, 
Right, the unseen, you know, holding what you can't see or uh, 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 the, the, the space within the body, you know, um, just standing and calling that performing, like holding a position, the ING, the action of it, um, just by being hyper aware of all of the dancing that's going on within, um, uh, mm. kind of gets me all Ooh. juicy, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, but, but, Yes, I, that, that's exactly what I felt like should have happened this, in the past like seven minutes was just, ah, you, you bring this energy narrative of like, I want to, I want to move and I want to, there, there's something about you that you're, you're talking about it, but being in your two dimensional presence, I want to move and create. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there, there's something there. I can't explain it. I'm not a scientist but i i understand energy and this is crazy this is artificial light here and you're you're passing that over (laughs) (laughs) wow well thank thanks for saying that you know i i um get to hang out with people all day who don't want to move and to a degree don't want to live usually and so i think like bringing so much presence and expectation and life into a room is something that I continue to work at. (laughs) Um, And I need it from others. So I'm so glad to be talking and sharing space with you all because y'all are amazing. You're so great. Uh, how can we see your dancers and your creation and keep up with you? Mm, great question. Um, we post the most to Instagram uh, at Uhas and Dancers. Uh, we have a Facebook page, which is around two. Um, our next live performance, like I said, will most likely be in April, but we'll have we'll have that um, virtual performance and premiere of the Healing Zones website this January 22nd and 23rd, which you can access through going to the Asheville Fringe Festival website. (laughs) And um, if you just like shoot dancers at gmail.com and email, um, you can get on our email list. Or if you feel like you want to be a part of a dance group like this, we can chat. We like reboot our season in the fall. Um, we're also beginning to work on a curriculum for uh, students to engage in the creation process that I've been talking about um, that we do as a company in a five-week series. And so that educational material will be coming out soon. Um, yeah, those are all the all the things. <laughs> and clearly, more to come. <laughs> it's ongoing. Goodness. Well, we 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 would love to have you back on. Uh, we we would really love to have you back on. Um, uh, yes, of course, the wisdom is there, but the energy is there. The the mindset, the leadership, the leading, the leadership, and the mindset is. Um, in the right place and ongoing. Um, and it, it's nice to witness that, especially during the current, current cultural climate. Mm-hmm. It's like you're handling that, but it seems like that's something that's out of our control, but you seem very much in control. So it's nice to be around you. Um, so yeah, so, so before, before we, we, we leave or we sign off, we have a little tradition and this is season two, anyone can move and we're just really excited about this. Yeah. And it goes a little something like this, right? I am James Boyd speaking and joining me. We have Katie Fleming, amazing choreographer. We have Katie Breland, amazing choreographer and our guest speaker, a absolute wise, amazing choreographer, <laughs> Meredith Yuhas, and collectively, this is Anyone Can Move, and me, James Boyd, I believe anyone can move, but what about you, Breland? Do you believe anyone can move? I believe anyone can move really a little extra today. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Coming right at you, Miss Fleming, do you believe anyone can move? I definitely believe anyone can move. 
All right. The amazing Miss Meredith Johans. Do you believe anyone can move? I believe anyone can move and be moved. Nice. I like it. I like it. You heard it. A classic sign out. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. And this was a wonderful episode of season two of Anyone Can Move. <laughs>